You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. Week 24 of the Aggressive Progressive Podcast with me, Chris Hahn. Another wild week in Washington. Um, America, if the president doesn't get impeached over this one, assuming everything that we've read is true, and he seems to be confirming everything we've read himself, so got to be true, right? I don't know what there is left to discuss. I We are not a nation of laws anymore. All right, let's start the show. We are now the defenders of the stronghold of democracy and of equal opportunity. You and I as citizens have the obligation to shape the debates of our time, not only with the votes we cast, but with the voices we lift. The people are looking for honest answers, not easy answers. The very word secrecy is repugnant. Clear leadership. And we are as a people. Not false claims and evasiveness and politics as usual. Opposed to secret society. But ours was a nation of the votes. Not the bullet. And a secret procedure. As a people, we cannot afford to let any group of citizens or any individual citizens live or labor under conditions which are injurious to the commonwealth. Black, white, Latino, Asian, Native American, young, old, gay, straight, men, women, folks with disabilities, all pledging allegiance under the same proud flag to this big, bold country that we love. That's what I see. That's the America I know. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. There is nothing wrong with America that cannot be cured by what is right with America. All right. America, I don't know how much lower this man can go. I mean, look, this is this is clearly, again, if it's true, a wild abuse of power. Uh, listeners to my show know what I'm talking about. The president, there is a whistleblower complaint out there that alleges that the president, at least from the reports that we've seen, that alleges that the president on a call with the new leader of Ukraine, who is brand new, a very a country that's in a desperate struggle against Russia to maintain its border integrity. I mean, Russia took the Crimea from them. They are, um, they are waging a war against Russia, a proxy war against Russia in eastern Ukraine, really a real war with Russia against in eastern Ukraine. Uh, the Congress allocated billions of dollars in military aid for them, or military aid for them. And 
the president was holding it up all summer and everybody was dumbfounded as to why. We obviously blamed his relationship with Putin. But it appears that the president may have told the president of Ukraine, get me some dirt on my potential Democratic opponent, Joe Biden, or I'm going to hold this up. Now, I know that right wing talkers are out there making some false equivalency about something Hunter Biden may or may not have done. And did Joe Biden get the uh, prosecutor fired? Well, first of all, that's not true. Joe Biden did not get any prosecutor fired. In fact, the prosecutor that was fired, the IMF, the EU and others in the international community all wanted this guy fired because he refused to prosecute gross corruption that occurred under Putin's handpicked puppet leader of the Ukraine who was forced out of office and into exile in in Russia. There was an investigation into a company where Hunter Biden serves on the board. It was not started by this guy, and it was over long before Joe Biden and others in the international community pushed for this prosecutor to be fired. But let's put that aside for a minute. Even if you believe, even if you believe all these right-wing talking points about, uh, uh, about Hunter Biden and, and what he may or may not have done. It's still inappropriate for the president of the United States to get on the phone with a brand new leader and demand that that leader find dirt on his political opponent and then send his personal attorney, Rudy Giuliani, who may have had assistance from our State Department, over to the Ukraine, or I, I guess they met in Spain, to discuss ways that the Ukraine can somehow be involved. Now, this all comes from a whistleblower complaint, which the inspector general of the intelligence community, a man who was appointed by Donald Trump's own Justice Department, the inspector general deemed credible and urgent because it was a threat to national security. When whistleblower complaints reach that level, they are supposed to go from the inspector general to the DNI to the Gang of Eight, which consists of the Speaker of the House, the uh, uh, majority leader of the Senate, the uh, the uh, minority leader of the Senate, the minority leader of the House of Representatives, and the chairs of the uh, two intelligence committees. So America, there should have been no stopping that complaint from getting there because that's what the law says. But of course, the Trump administration doesn't believe in the law. They don't believe in law and order. They have stopped this complaint from going to those committees. Now, the president says, oh, of course, I wouldn't have done anything inappropriate. Well, Mr. President, you have the power in your own hands to declassify any statement you made on that phone call to release that transcript to the public. You should do that right now. And the reason why you're not doing that is because you did what everybody is saying you did. Now, I don't want to get my hopes up because I know, you know, we got our hopes up with the Mueller report and uh, people were saying, oh, oh, this is where we're going to get them. This is where we're going to get them. But uh, this seems pretty bad, America. I mean, really, really bad. And I am blown away, absolutely blown away that I see Republican leaders of the House, the minority leader of the House, on Justice with Judge Jeanine on Saturday night, right before I went on. I don't know if you saw me on Saturday night. Um, saying, well, nobody's seen the complaint. Well, you're supposed to have seen the complaint by now. Why isn't Congress asking and demanding for this to, this complaint? This is Congress's job. Ambition must be made to counteract ambition. Right now, what we have is no ambition uh, for the various 
uh, checks and balances in this country. We only have ambitions for political parties. That's it, right? We have sold out checks and balances for political loyalty. And that is the death of democracy, America. That is the death of democracy. I'm wondering, you know, and, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play something I recorded earlier in a few minutes, and I'm, I might be repeating myself, so please uh, forgive me. But I am wondering, I am wondering where is Mitt Romney? Where is um, Chairman Burr from the House, from the Senate Intelligence Committee, who sometimes shown some independence? Where are these people? Like, why is Mitt Romney even in the United States Senate? It's a man who has a, a garage that has an elevator in it, clearly doesn't need the job. Is he there for what? For the title? To do something with his place in Georgetown? I, I don't understand why he's even in the Senate if he's not going to stand up for the Senate, for the Senate's right to see information that the law says they should see. Ambition must be made to counteract the ambition. Federalist 51, this president and this Republican Congress, at least the Senate side, are sheep. And I got news for you. I have never been you know, impeachment or bust. I have never been impeachment or bust. I, I, I've, I've advocated on occasions for impeachment, but I actually saw Speaker Pelosi's point. I kind of got it. But I think with this, we have crossed the Rubicon, America. I think with this, the president must be impeached. Congress must hold him accountable. They must, first of all, uh, the fact that they don't even have the information is is beyond me at right at right now. They must hold him accountable. They must demand that information. They must get that whistleblower into the committee right now. They need to do that right now. And I'm sorry, Speaker Pelosi. I love you. I think you're brilliant, but get on board now. Get on board or get out of the way. It is time for this president to face consequences from his actions. And the only consequence he's going to face is impeachment. Now, I get it. There's an election in uh, less than 14 months now, right? And and I can't wait. But the the, the founders understood that there was always an election right around the corner. They understood that. This man's dangerous. He is using the full power of his office to cheat at the election. He is asking the Ukraine, a foreign government, to interfere in our elections. He's asking it on a White House phone. Remember when Al Gore... You probably don't remember this, but Al Gore, when he was vice president of the United States, got in trouble for using a calling card. A, you know, back then you used to have prepaid calling cards. You don't know what that is anymore because now we all have cell phones, right? But back in the day, you could buy minutes for a long distance phone call and have it on a card. <laughs> and then you dial that number when you use somebody else's phone so you didn't charge their long distance. And back back in the day, we used to get charged for long distance. I know that, you know, I'm, I'm speaking on a podcast where most of the people who listen to it are, you know, under the age of 40. And you probably don't remember this, right? Because you never had to use anything other than your cell phone, which, you know, your package includes long distance. But back in the day, you used to get charged for long distance. And back in the 90s, Al Gore got called out for making fundraising calls from his office in the White House, even though he used a prepaid calling card to make those calls. Isn't this worse? And and by the way, he was wrong for doing it. I, I agree. He was wrong for doing it. Don't get me wrong. Al Gore was wrong for doing it. He just went across the street to the DCCC and made the calls there. Get call time anywhere you want. But uh, this is worse. This is the president. 
on a secure White House line holding up military aid to the Ukraine until they provide dirt on his opponent. America, uh, we're long past impeachment o'clock now. It is, if this is true, and I have no reason to believe it's not based on what the president has said himself over the weekend, uh, this is time, it is time for this man to be impeached. It is time for Nancy Pelosi to support impeachment, and it is time to move forward. I saw Adam Schiff over the weekend uh, talking about impeachment, and Adam Schiff has been very cautious on it, Chairman Schiff of the uh, House Intelligence Committee. Uh, he's been very cautious. He's not been out in front on impeachment. And he was saying, if this is true, impeachment time. And I agree with him. And I think if he's come around, that probably means the speakers come around. And I think sometime this week, hopefully uh, after you listen to this podcast, uh, we're going to start seeing some movement on that, uh, especially if, you know, Bill Barr and, uh, you know, the others in the Trump-owned Justice Department continue to block Congress's access to the actual complaint. It is out of this world to me, out of this world. And if you're not angry about it, if you're not concerned about it, I I mean, maybe you're numb. I, I see how a lot of Americans are numb to this president and some of the things he's done, but it is long past time he be held accountable. There is, you know, Corey Lewandowski um, appeared before Congress this week. It was outrageous the way he appeared before Congress. Outrageous. But I, I want to put a finer point on it. And I've been saying this for months for, for listeners of my podcast. And by the way, we're growing by leaps and bounds. I really do appreciate it. Please tell a friend. You might even notice I might have, I might have actual commercials in my podcast this week. Uh, I know they're coming. Uh, but it is uh, we're gl- we're growing by leaps and bounds, um, and um, for listeners of my podcast, you know that I've been a big advocate of 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 getting rid of those five minute question periods each member of the House and Senate have, and just having you know in the in the Senate you could have uh, Kamala Harris do all the questioning. She's a skilled prosecutor. In the House, just let the committee. Uh, attorney do it. I mean, he did a great job questioning Corey Lewandowski and, and, and better, you know, we got real information. First thing we learned is that he lies. He'll lie on television no matter what. And now he wants to run for Senate in New Hampshire. So when he's running for Senate in New Hampshire and you see him speaking on TV, assume he's lying because as he said in that hearing, he has no obligation to tell the truth to the media. Uh, the disrespect he showed Congress to me was ridiculous. But, you know, back to the point at hand. When the inspector general, remember this inspector general, you're going to hear a lot of things about this being partisan because that's Trump's play. Make sure you tell your conservative friends when you hear this. The inspector general was appointed by Trump's own Justice Department. These are not people that just hang around forever. Yes, he might be a career attorney, but Trump's own Justice Department pick this person for that role. This person deemed this complaint credible and urgent. Credible and urgent. And we still haven't seen it. We still haven't seen it, America. It's not a partisan attack. It is the president using the power of his office in a way that we should not accept. Time to get him out. Absolutely time to get him out. All right, guys, I have a great show for you tonight. I've got a, I, I've got a, a good guest from The Hollywood Reporter right after this break, Bill Barr. He covers the media for The Hollywood Reporter. You're going to listen to him, and then uh, I'm going to play a couple of clips uh, from my radio show earlier in the week. I hope you enjoy it. Tell a friend. 
I'll be back right after this. Hey, America, Christopher Hahn here, the Aggressive Progressive Podcast. What is with the president and the right-wing echo chamber encouraging these astroturf protests against stay-at-home orders around the country? It's ridiculous, and it needs to stop. Check out the Aggressive Progressive Podcast wherever you download podcasts. I'm Royal Oaks. Next time on Too Many Lawyers, COVID continues to reshape the law. Supreme Court arguments will be held by teleconference. The justices won't even know if the lawyers are wearing pants, which is fair given the eternal mystery of what's under those black robes. Los Angeles County is springing 25% of its inmates. The sheriff suggests folks get ready for what might be a spike in crime. Check it all out on the next episode of Too Many Lawyers. Joining me now, Jeremy Barr. He is a reporter with The Hollywood Reporter. Jeremy M. Barr on Twitter, at Jeremy M. Barr on Twitter. I love his stuff. He covers the media, uh, and and, uh, I've interacted with him on many occasions. Jeremy, how you doing? Good thing. Thanks for having me, Chris. I really do appreciate you taking the time to join me. So, you know, I feel like... um, it, it it's time to have that media conversation. Like we're going into this 2020 campaign. It's going to be a very important election. And we used to be concerned that the media covered elections like they covered sports. I think it's gotten worse than that. And, and I felt like you were the right guy to have on to talk about it. Mm-hmm. What are you, what are you saying that you think is getting worse out of curiosity? I just think it's it's worse than sports. I think it's become pro wrestling. I think it's like, yeah. uh, uh, you know, I think it's something that 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 has gotten out of control. I think it's it lives yeah. for the drama. I mean, I think I think it's all about the medium, right? I mean, I think on on it's always going to be different on cable TV versus a magazine interview or a newspaper interview. It sort of depends on the format and what you kind of the audience expects. So if you're if if it's you know I think whenever a candidate goes on a cable news show they're going to expect to get pushed hard and there's going to be theatrics and there's going to be gotcha questions and they're going to squirm a little bit and they're going to you know even Elizabeth Warren went on on Rachel Maddow's show this week and she got asked some uncomfortable questions so what I question really did you depends. think that you know I watched that interview it, it didn't look uncomfortable yeah. to me I mean what what did you think was uncomfortable well I think I think generally people have been trying to get Elizabeth Warren to attack. Bernie Sanders or to attack the other Democrats. Right. And I, and I think she won't do it because she knows that I don't know. I, I, you know, I struggle with how much of this is just good journalism or, you know, you're trying to flesh out differences between candidates. Right. When are you, when are you sort of overdoing it and actually trying to create distinctions that will then kind of go viral? Right. You know, and then take a life of their own. Right. I, I think she doesn't want to attack Bernie Sanders because she wants to try to win Iowa. I think Iowa is so important this year because of its coincidentally starting on this, you know, happening the same day California starts its early voting. And I think winning Iowa is going to really be important this year in the Democratic primary. And Iowa doesn't right. like Iowa. Iowans genuinely don't like negative politics. They don't like it right. when candidates attack. That's why Donald Trump finished poorly in Iowa uh, in 2016, right. even though he won New Hampshire. So I think that's her, right. her main thing. Um, are, are you noticing, though, an uptick on manufactured drama in television news? I think that this is a very, very consistent medium, that if you compare the way that cable news networks cover the election eight, ten years ago to the way you do it now, it's a lot more similar than you think it would be. 
I mean, I, I think that um, one difference this cycle has been they've had a lot. The networks have been doing a lot more kind of they're kind of creating their own events. They're doing I was I spent today at this MSNBC climate forum in right. D.C. where a bunch of the Democratic hands were that. So and they're not waiting for just the debate. They're actually creating their own primetime events. CNN has done this. MSNBC has done a bunch. Fox has had some town halls. So they're kind of creating more sporting events to watch. And, um, you know, I think CNN was criticized the way that they kind of were advertising the candidate draw for their debate. So the networks have realized that we need to, to really try to make it so there's a event to watch almost every night for people who really want to watch sort of live and breathe elect- the election. Yeah. How do you think you know, the public is responding? I mean, I clearly ratings are up, right? I mean, it, it's funny. I've been on Fox mm-hmm. News for about 10 years and I've done some yeah. CNBC, CNN and some MSNBC and some other stuff over the years. But generally, I've been only on Fox. And, you know, for the first eight years I was on Fox, I don't think I, I, I get recognized five times a year. It, it, mm-hmm. It's it the uptick in viewership and the uptick of people like, you know, hey, I see you on Fox uh, has has been dramatic in the last two years for me. I mean, I think cable news is the medium where people remember who they see on TV. Whenever I've talked to people who've been contributors at CNN, even if they were there for a few months, they're telling me how often they get stopped on the street in the airport. Wow. Because it's it's the most explosive medium, and it generates such strong feelings, which is why people tune into it, why people both hate it and love it. Right. I think that sort of creates more connection to the people they're seeing on TV. What I'm always amazed about and I'm sure you hear this from everybody who goes, every progressive that goes on Fox. What I'm most amazed about is how people are really nice to me when they meet me. I, I yeah. always thought, ah, uh, you know, I'm the other side, but it's almost like, um, mm-hmm. you know, Gaius Baltar on Battlestar Galactica and they're, uh, right. you know, Hey, it's Gaius Baltar. <laughs> you know, it's right. like, well, he may, they, they, you're, you know, you're a familiar figure to them. So even if they don't agree with, with your positions, they can at least, it's nice to see someone that you, enjoy watching on TV, even if you don't agree with their opinion. That is true, yeah. I guess. That is true, I guess. So I mean, what is it, What is it? you know, like, you know, what do you think, you know, we have all these situations where the media now has built up a narrative, right? We always talk about the Mueller report and this mm-hmm. narrative was built up and now we're starting to see this narrative being built up with this um, whistleblower campaign. And I'm right. wondering if the media, you know, because I think the Mueller report was pretty bad. Right. I just think that the hype that was paid to it made it like if it doesn't say that President Donald Trump should be immediately indicted, you know, it's a failure. Um, And the president, I think, you know, capitalized on the media's hyping of this uh, of the Mueller report. And now we're seeing this situation slowly develop with this whistleblower, which I think could be a very bad thing for the president. Uh, But I'm worried that the media is going to blow that out of proportion, too, and lead to some letdown. Right. I just I think it's been a, you know he's been president Donald Trump's been president for two years and seven or eight months and there's been so many different news cycles where people thought there were these bombshell articles and then different publications have battled it out to kind of advance the story a little bit and then Congress has picked it up once Democrats took back the House and I think in, in every instance there are still people who are hoping that this is going to be the bombshell that actually will kind of damage or right. end the presidency. And it hasn't, obviously. And I think we're, you know, the election is, is next year. So we're sort of getting to the end of the first term. Um, and, and I actually, you know, when I, when I have interviewed cable news hosts as part of my reporting, you know, there are people I talked to, to Chris Cuomo at CNN who, who would say to me that this was months before their Mueller report came out. And he said, 
I've been trying to tell my viewers, you know, to, to not expect so much. Right. That some of the other some of the other networks, MSNBC in particular, uh, you know, the viewers who, who love Rachel Maddow and who love Lawrence O'Donnell, they're really expecting this to be a massive, massive knockout punch. And it was very substantive. But I, I think cable news hosts do have some responsibility in terms of how much they set expectations. So with the whistleblowers, it's obviously newsworthy. I mean, it's it's. I think it's very unusual to have this kind of. It's complaint. never had. It's unprecedented um, right. to have. Unprecedented. Yeah, I mean, it's unprecedented to have this happen. I mean, it was. It had to be substantial and urgent right. for the inspector general to say it should go to the gang of eight. So both of those criteria were met and it is clearly about the president of the United States. It's unprecedented that the inspector general is being blocked by the DOJ. So I get that part of it. I just, you know, you know, remember the president is the ultimate decider about what is classified and not classified. So even if he decided, you know, wrongfully, which I'm sure, you know, most of the time he's deciding to unclassify things on off the top of his head, which he's already done a couple times. Uh, I, I'm sure he's doing it wrongfully, but that, that that's not necessarily a crime. Well, I, I think that um, so this has been a story that's been a very, very kind of slow drip of revelations, and it's I don't know what day it is now, but we still it's only it's it's been a few days. We don't really still know yet. Yeah, what the complaint was, what the conversation was. I think this is one of those stories that the media will cover. But they're not going to say this is this has the potential to end his presidency. I think they're going to have a bit more reserve. And I, and I think I, I've been someone who's always said that I think mainstream journalists have covered the Trump presidency with fairly and, and without any sort of desire for any sort of consequences or without any sort of desire for something to happen to the president. Do you understand? They just they're trying to cover the news as it is. Right. But I think in most stories, you do want to tell the reader what are the stakes and what are the possibilities? And I think at this point, we've been through so many different news cycles that I think people will probably tone down what the potential really is at this point. Well, I hope I hope they do, and I hope, but I, but I also hope the truth comes out. I mean, I've been I'm of the mind that Congress needs to do what the founders wanted it to do, and what they said in Federalist 51, their job was their ambition must counteract the president's ambition. And I've seen zero ambition from Republicans in Congress to to actually exercise their authority as a Congress to oversee what this president does. It, it, I, I keep asking this question, you know, like guys like Mitt Romney who don't really need a job and, you know, don't particularly like this president. They seem awfully quiet in the face of all of these numerous scandals that have been following, you know, befalling the president. Mm-hmm. I, I think that everybody who's been following politics knew that once Mitt Romney entered the Senate, he was going to be an institutionalist like everybody else. Yeah, he well, I haven't seen him be an institutionalist. An institutionalist right now would be saying it is the Congress's responsibility to review that. The Gang of Eight is entitled to this by law. The president should give it. I am shocked that there isn't one Republican that has said that. Forget about what it is. The Gang of Eight is entitled to it once the inspector general made that determination by law. And it's being withheld for, you know, privilege reasons i i you know i don't i don't get that at all uh let me let me uh let me switch topics a little bit for you um with you uh you know we've been talking uh i've been talking a little bit about um you know how the media has covered um 
uh, Kavanaugh and some other things. And I know that there's a big, you know, meme on the right about toxic masculinity and how the liberals are coming for men. And I know you're a man and I'm a man and I really don't feel threatened by anything um, right now. Right. Um, but uh, what's your take? I mean, I, I think the New York Times, the way they covered this report, you know, probably messed up a little bit here. Uh, and I'm, I'm interested to get your 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 opinion on it, your take. I mean, I, I think that that people have certain opinions of the New York Times in the same way that people have certain opinions of certain cable news networks, that they're always going to expect that there is this sort of uh, secret, you know, Jill, Jill Abramson, the former editor of the New York Times, went on Fox News and said there's no hidden agenda, that they, the reporters were trying to cover the story fairly. Right. They, they made a mistake. There was an editing error. But it's very easy to imbue a motive or that there was this sort of secret desire to do something. Um, and so I think we've gotten to a point in media where everybody is very skeptical and cynical of each other. And there's and they're always kind of thinking the worst of what someone's intentions were. Yeah. Um, but I mean, as as people have pointed out, I mean, Fox News regularly cites New York Times stories. Oh, every single basis, day. As the basis for their segment. So it's hard, as Eric Wemple pointed out in a post, the Washington Post, it's hard to say the New York Times is you know, a bed of lies full of liberal activists then also to cite their reporting to then talk about it for their show. Yeah, and, so and the president— kind of, has, has to be one or the other. The president himself, I mean, I remember right before he took office having a editorial meeting with the New York Times where he said, it's my goal to make you proud of me, and I love this right. paper. You know, I mean, it's—you know, even right. after, you know, campaigning for, you know, a year and a half about the failing New York Times and the liberal media, blah, 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 blah. It's it's it, it right. goes on right. and on and on and on and on. But do you think right. that we are, you know, getting inundated by stories, uh, both on the left and the right, about these splinter issues? Like, you know, like I said, I was on last night talking about toxic masculinity uh, in the media. And I'm like, you know, you know I, I, I don't. I don't believe that that's a real thing, right? I don't believe that there is a a war on men and boys in this country. I think that there are some people who are now competing for the same jobs and the same status in our culture, and they now have the ability to do that, and that might make some people feel threatened. But I don't feel like there's a concerted effort. Well, what I would say is that you should look to see whether, whether any other TV networks are covering these stories, which I think some of the hosts of Fox might say is because they don't care or they're, or they're biased, but I think that, you know, most of the networks, Fox is a news network. They cover news stories. That they try to, to, sh- to stick to the bigger national news stories. There's always going to be sort of pet issues or right. things that are o- only of interest to one host audience. Um, but no, I, I don't think that the consensus is that there is a massive masculinity issue in the country. Right, right. But you um, do see that there are, you know, even... Outside of Fox, you will see some stories covered almost the exact opposite way, saying, oh, this Mm -hmm. toxic masculinity problem. I've seen it, you know, in other mediums. You know, I know it's there. It's not as prevalent as I think the right wing media would make it out to be. Um, but it is, it, you know, it does exist to some extent. I'm just wondering though, you know, like, you know, the, the left has, have their splinter issues The right, you know, I think that's all they have right now. I just, I don't think they have any solutions to the problems in this country. And I think the president has to find a way to make people afraid of other people in order to get them out to vote. So I think that that's what we're going to see right. over this election, the course of this election. Right. And and I think it, it depends. It, it's a, it's a, it also depends on, on emphasis and how, important you're making a certain issue. I think that liberals would agree that, 
for example, homelessness and 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 major cities in California is a problem, but it's not for for certain people the number one thing on the U.S. Right. national agenda. I mean, they're focusing on Afghanistan and Iran policy, and it's it's a choice to make that your number one segment. But it doesn't mean that people on the left don't agree that that's an issue that we need to address. So right. it's all about how much you play up certain things and how much you ignore other things. Oh, I agree. I agree. You know, I mean, they talk about homelessness in San Francisco and how San Francisco is this, you know, it's not, I've been there many times. It's beautiful. <laughs> it's, you know, I right. can't afford to live there. Uh, it is, right. it's a, it's a, you know, and, and homelessness is a problem. It's a problem everywhere. Right. Uh, it's probably yeah. a problem in a lot of red States and it's a it's it's probably more of a hidden problem there than it is in some of the bigger cities. So it's something right. that uh, that should be addressed. And rather than come up with solutions, it, 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 I've never seen anything like this, uh, you know, up until now, where you really have political parties trying to blame elected officials for inaction, even as they are taking action to try to bring people off the streets. It's it's remarkable to me. All right, I have a few minutes left with right. you, Jeremy. And I definitely want to talk mm-hmm. about how this 2020 election is going to be covered. Uh, you know, the debates so far, I think, have been a bit of, uh, you know, they've been disappointing, to say the least. They've been a little, you know, lacking drama. I think that's probably because you have 10 people on the stage. I think when we get down to four or five, there'll be a lot more substance and a lot more actual conflict between the the candidates not this manufactured lines they come up with you know uh what's your take on how we're how we're seeing these covered and what do you expect to happen you know going forward well i thought that was one thing that i noticed and that people have been noticing is that um i mean pete Buttigieg is starting to criticize some of the other democrats and i think it's it's very noticeable because as we talked about Democrats are not attacking each other this this cycle. Right. Elizabeth Warren is, is not going after Bernie. It's very noticeable. And there was this story in the Washington Post today, Dave Weigel, about how Democratic voters don't want attacks. And so when you don't have attacks, debates are not going to be such entertaining television. Right. right? I mean, I think that the debates, they're sporting events. They, they depend on people, different, you know, one side versus another side, and um, these sort of these slug it out contests. And I think you didn't really see that much in the 2016 Democratic primary between Bernie and Hillary, who both sort of respected each other and right. had similar opinions on most things. And I think the Democrats like each other. I think that's sort of the inherent – I wouldn't call it a problem, but I think that is the inherent reason why you're not seeing um, such slugfest. And then and, and you do end up having you – know, this ABC News debate was three hours long, and as people have pointed out this week, most people have already moved on from it. They kind of forgot yeah. what the debate was because there was so much said, and it was three hours – and as soon as it ended, there was some other big Trump story or some other big investigation or some other crime or some other weather event. And yeah. it's being very quickly overtaken by other. Yeah. I mean, I thought Cory Booker had a great night. He got no bump. I mean, he might be done, frankly, after that debate. I mean, it, it's it's amazing to me. I thought he had a great night. I thought Buttigieg had a great night. Buttigieg has been at the same five, six, seven percent for the last three months. I get mm-hmm. why he's trying to attack other candidates and really squarely moved into that center right lane. I mean, center left lane, right. which is yeah. which is amazing to me. So, you know, as we move forward, though, as we move forward, as we, you know, tick it down, uh, you know, how do you feel? You, you know, the media, the media has been very skeptical, skeptical of Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders, I think. And I think they've been very support. You know, I, I don't know if they've been supportive, but they've been. Uh, more positive about some of the other candidates. Do you think as we go forward, you're going to see the the media try to, you know, that invisible primary that we used to have? Uh, I haven't seen a, an overt invisible primary other than, you know, maybe a little ageism against Joe. 
I think it's tough because you, know, you saw what happened when Julian Castro suggested that Biden forgot um, what he had said a few minutes ago. And then, and then you saw on cable news where, you know, ABC News had Rahm Emanuel as now a contributor who immediately criticized Castro. So a lot yeah. of it depends on who they're bringing on to do the punditry. Yeah. You know, if you have when they when they're, a lot of the networks hire these sort of centrist center left Democrats like Claire McCaskill um, and other people on ABC News and CNN. And those are people who are going to be sort of inherently yeah. a bit more favorable to someone like Biden. Well, um, and I, they don't like Sanders as much. I think they better start making these people identify up. who they're with. I sometimes see it. It drives me nuts. But Jeremy Barr, this has been great. Check him out on The Hollywood Reporter. He's at Jeremy M. Barr on Twitter. Jeremy, I really do appreciate you joining me. I hope to have you back soon. Yep. Thanks. Enjoyed it. That's Jeremy. I'll be right back. All right. I'm back. I think I'm going to play a little bit from my radio show last week. You'll uh, you'll hear my real-time reaction to this breaking news. Let me know what you think. Hit me up on Twitter, at Christopher Hahn on Twitter. You're going to like this. Hang out. America, we have a president who got elected basically by successfully accusing his opponent, Hillary Clinton, of being weak on the handling of classified materials. Now, right now there is a heated fight in Washington. A man has come forward, or a woman has come forward and went to the inspector general of the intelligence community to report on the president of the United States mishandling of national intelligence. Now, I don't know what he did. What I understand, there was some sort of promise made by the president to a foreign leader that was so egregious that it prompted this member of the intelligence community who was listening in on that conversation appropriately, I might add, to report this to the IG. And the IG, Michael Atkinson, who is a real hero, America, and I am sure that the right-wing nuts will start attacking this man immediately. Michael Atkinson, a career Justice Department official, who was the Inspector General for the National Intelligence Community, gets this complaint, dubs it credible and serious enough that it should go immediately to the Gang of Eight for review. This process was put in place, America, to protect America, to encourage intelligence officials to come forward with complaints where they would be protected rather than giving those complaints over to something like WikiLeaks where, you know, national secrets then get shared with the entire planet. What's going on right now is Bill Barr, the Attorney General of the United States, A.G. Rupskin, the President's cur, is blocking the Congress of the United States from getting information that the law says they must get. Not they may get, they must get. Now, the only way this ends 
is if Congress stands up for Congress. If, as the founder's intention, ambition counteracts ambition. And it's not just the Democrats. I think Adam Schiff, chairman of the House Intelligence Committee and member of the Gang of Eight, who is entitled to this information as by law, by right, he has demanded it. He has subpoenaed the White House. I think all the Democrats are in line with this. But Republicans... Mitch McConnell, member of the Gang of Eight. Kevin McCarthy, member of the Gang of Eight. And of course, Devin Nunez, member of the Gang of Eight. What are you doing? Are you going to come forward? Are you going to ask for this? Are you going to demand that Congress get to see this information? I I just, I, I have to tell you, America, this scares me. Because I don't think that the intelligence community takes this lightly. I don't think Michael Atkinson would have dealt this a credible complaint that needed to go to Congress immediately had it not been something very, very much threatening to our national security. And from what we're learning from bits and pieces of reporting, and I don't want to speculate too much is that this involves the president making a promise to a foreign leader. What did he promise and who did he promise it to? But here we are, America. Here we are again with the president of the United States once again defying the law, defying Congress. You know, the law applies to this president like it applies to everyone else. And the Congress of the United States of America needs to hold its ground. They need to stand up for their authority to oversee the president of the United States. What is going on right now is just one more example of stonewalling. We saw it with Corey Lewandowski earlier in the week. We are seeing it with this whistleblower thing. And this is serious business, America. Our national security is at risk by this president by these actions. What are we to do about it? What is Congress to do about it? I got news for you, America. I am of the the minds right now that the United States Congress should shut that president down. They should shut him down. They should take the gas out of the plane until he starts complying with the law. They got to stand up for their fight, for their for their power, for their authority. They have to do what the founders intended them to do. Have their ambition counteract the president's ambition. And Bill Barr should be impeached. He's a hack. The Attorney General of the United States is not the president's personal lawyer. The Attorney General of the United States heads the Justice Department. And he should hold all people accountable to the same laws. This is amazing to me. It is amazing to me, and I'm wondering, I am wondering, America, when and if any Republican, any Republican will come forward and say, let's have it. We're Congress. We have, to, we have the right for this in, to this information. We should get this information. And it doesn't matter that it's classified, America. The Gang of Eight has the same clearances as the President of the United States. They deserve this. They they should get this these materials and they should get them 
today, right now. And they should shut the White House down until they do. 631-451-1039 is my number. 631-451-1039 if you want to be part of a national conversation. Let me go to James in Calverton. James, how are you? Hello. How's it going, James? Um, I'm I'm all right. Um, uh, what you're talking about right now, you were talking about for two years, the Mueller report, and nothing came of it, and it was all a waste I'm of time. I'm not talking about the Mueller report. I'm not talking well, about the Mueller report, James. I know you're I am talking about, about I am thing. talking about a whistleblower that came forward a couple of weeks yeah, ago that the White House is blocking, that the White House is blocking from having the inspector general deliver that whistleblower complaint to the gang of eight as the law requires him to do. And by the way, the acting DNI, Michael Atkinson, who just took over in this role, wants to give this report to the Congress. The president says he did nothing wrong. Well, if he did nothing wrong, let's have the report. What What's wrong with them having the information? What did he say? Don't tell us. I don't know what he said, but I do know, I do know... I do know that Michael Atkinson, who is the, uh, excuse me, the Inspector General, Michael Atkinson is the Director, the Inspector General, Joe McGuire is the DNI. I know that Michael Atkinson deemed this a credible and urgent matter. And when the IG, a career prosecutor, and these people are generally not liberals, James, When a career prosecutor who has the role of inspector general of the national intelligence community deems it credible and urgent, it's supposed to go directly to the gang of eight. This is supposed to be a rubber stamp. Now, I get it. Joe McGuire had been in the job for a week when this fell on his desk. And he wanted to run it up the chain. And of course, Bill Barr said no. How is that applying the law equally to everyone? Yeah, what do you keep turning the volume down for? That's what Mueller report was. It had to be come out. James, we're not happened. talking about the Mueller report. I'm hanging up on him. You know, James, we're not talking about the Mueller report. I'm not talking about, even though the Mueller report does point to the president obstructing justice. I want to know why he obstructed justice. I'm happy that there are people willing to put their careers on the line. I'm telling you, Michael Atkinson's career is on the line. So why would he put his career on the line right now, knowing the vindictiveness of this president? We've seen it. We've observed it. We know it's coming. We also know, we also know that this president has supporters who will mercilessly attack the reputation of Michael Atkinson. For what? For doing his job. For doing his job. It's nice to know there are people like that that still exist in Washington, even through this presidency. That there are people out there willing to stick their neck out because they believe in the institutions they serve. And they're going to do what they can to protect this nation from the abuses of this president and the goons around him. God bless you, Michael Atkinson. It's... I got it, James. I got it, Trump supporters out there. You think the president is infallible. And you want to say, what about Hillary? (laughs) Guys, you know, if you were so concerned about Hillary's handling of classified materials and you wanted it to be gone, you know, you wanted some sunlight on the situation, be consistent. I, By the way, 
I said that she should never have deleted those emails. That everything should have just been turned over. And I think they handled it poorly. I get it. But that's not what we're talking about now. She's not the president of the United States right now. His whole campaign was saying that she mishandled classified materials. What is he doing here? What did he give up? And who did he give it up to? What did he promise? Credible and urgent. Credible and urgent. That is what Atkinson said about this complaint. Credible and urgent. Urgent meaning it threatens our national security. Credible and urgent. What's the president hiding? Who is he talking to? What is this about? I think America needs to know. I think the Congress needs to know. Put the sunlight out. Sunlight is the greatest disinfectant. The president's got nothing to hide. The president shouldn't be hiding. So my advice to the Congress is to shut him down. Shut the president down until he starts obeying the law. We can't have a separate set of laws for the president of the United States. No man is above the law, and he is not the law. There are rules for a reason. These whistleblower rules are in place to protect us so that whistleblowers have a place to go within the confines of the government where they can monitor where the you know where 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 national security secrets are not just leaked to the world because somebody's trying to right a wrong in the Justice Department. I don't want another Edward Snowden to emerge. But if Barr is going to keep blocking it, that's what's going to happen. He's his actions right now, America, are making us less safe. The Attorney General's actions right now is making America less safe. Those rules, those laws are there for a reason. They are not there to be ignored. They are not there because we want to play gotcha. No, and God God forbid, nobody ever thought that the whistleblower would come forward about a president. So I, I feel like we have a constitutional crisis on our hands right now. I really do. And I am dumbfounded yet again that all of these Republicans who, you know, during the Obama administration fought very hard to enact these whistleblower rules. These aren't liberal rules. These are the Republicans' own rules. They fought very hard to put these rules in place because I guess, you know, their logic was the intelligence community is mostly conservative. And of course, they'll report on Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama. But of course, the intelligence community, most of the men and women, I would say almost all of the men and women that work in the intelligence community, love their country. And they're not going to make things up about a president or a secretary of state for political reasons. And I don't think that this person is making something up about the president for political reasons. And not only that, if the reporting is true... 
And this is about a phone conversation that the president had that was attended by multiple people from the national security apparatus. There is a transcript of that call, if not a recording. And I'll tell you right now, the country who he was on the phone with, the leader on the other side, there's a transcript and a recording there as well. So, Mr. President and Mr. Barr, the truth is going to come out. And it's going to come out soon. You want it to come out soon. Standing in the way just is yet another example of presidential obstruction of Congress. And it is time for Congress to write up an article of impeachment and shut this guy down. And it is time for the House of Representatives to shut down this president's personal budget. The White House budget needs to be cut. Make them have to go eat pizza every day. Stop with the plane. Let them stay in the White House. Shut them down. Until he starts complying with subpoenas. And stop stonewalling Congress. Congress has an absolute right to hear the testimony of his staff on anything it wants. You want to claim privilege? You better outline that privilege. And by the way, you know, they're claiming privilege about things that were in the Mueller report. They waived that privilege by allowing them to testify to Mueller. So let's just, let's, let's stop with the nonsense. Privilege is waived. But this is a new low. I mean, look, I say this every week, right? Every week I find a new low. We hit a new low. Every single week there's a new low. Whistleblower complaints, we're going to block those now. We're going to block whistleblower complaints, which was a Republican thing that they put in place for the right reasons. Because you didn't want those people to go and publish whatever they heard on the internet. Because it would jeopardize national security. So as a result of this president's horrible behavior and of his horrible attorney general, who should be like, they should be impeaching that attorney general right now. Like they should draft the articles right now and impeach him. Because of this. We now have a less safe country. We have people saying, well, why bother going to the inspector general with this complaint? Why don't I just send it to WikiLeaks or publish it on Facebook or Medium? Or where, let me send it to the New York Times or the Washington Post. Let me do something with it that's less secure than going through proper channels. Whoever this person was, who witnessed this urgent problem with our national security. Urgent. It threatened our national security urgently. Whoever witnessed this credible and urgent problem did the right thing. And what are they going to get for doing the right thing? They are going to encourage other people to do it the wrong way. And that's on the president. That's on the Republicans who are not standing up to him, his, his allies in Congress. That is definitely on the Attorney General. And it's on all of us if we allow this to continue. All right, I hope you like that. I left my caller in there, James uh, from, I think, Manorville. I don't know where he's from. He, uh, regular to the show, Trump supporter. But hey, I- I'll take all comers. Hang out. I'll be right back to wrap it up.
All right. Another week ahead. Like I said earlier in the show, America, expect the Congress to get serious with the president this week. If they don't, I don't know what we did last year. I don't know what the point was in electing a Democratic Congress last year. If we're going to have this kind of obstruction of Congress in and of itself, forget about what the complaint says, what he may have done, just the sheer obstruction alone, in my opinion, is impeachable, whether it's the president or Bill Barr who gets impeached. That needs to happen this week. And I want to see that complaint. And if it is as bad as we think it is, and I think it is, time to go, Mr. President. And I know the sheep in the Senate are going to be, okay, whatever. But there might be one or two of them who grow a pair and actually want to stand up for the Constitution over you. Anyway, America, I got to remind you now, as always, to seek the truth, question everything and everyone, even me, America. But when somebody's got something they should show you and they won't, question that even more. Seek the truth. I know it's out there and I know you'll find it if you look for it. And I'll be back here again next week to tell you the truth as I see it. I'm Chris Hahn. Thanks for listening to the Aggressive Progressive Podcast. Your business was humming, but now you're falling behind. Your teams are buried in manual work. Tasks are taking forever to complete, and getting one source of truth is like pulling teeth. If this is you, then you should know these three numbers. 37,000. That's the number of businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, streamlining accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25. NetSuite turns 25 this year. That's 25 years of helping businesses do more with less, close their books in days, not weeks, and drive down costs. One, because your business is one of a kind. Get a customized solution for all your key performance indicators in one efficient system with one source of truth. Manage risk, get reliable forecasts, and improve margins. With NetSuite, it's everything you need to grow, all in one place. Get your business back to the greatness where it belongs. Learn more at netsuite.com slash podcast 25. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. (laughs) 